My Father in heaven, I would like to say thank you again for us being here. We ask that you can be with us, Lord, to also see the practical applications, things that we ourselves can avoid, and how we should model our lives after the man Christ Jesus. In his name we ask, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Isaiah chapters 3. Let's go there real quick. The book of Isaiah chapters 3. Now, what I did in the first one, I basically summarized the things that is bombarding men, things that are preventing us from living up to the image that God designed for us to live. What we saw is that one of the key factors that men have trouble being single is because they desire to be with a partner. But because we're in 2018 social media, it has actually created more pressure for us to enjoy the Christian experience of being single and satisfied. It's wrecking our lives secretly. But also too, is that when we are constantly wrecking our lives and going to these social websites, and it's not just then, it, you can go to parties, etc. but what's happening is too, is that because we're longing to be with someone, especially what happens is that we tend, because we're not receiving that, we tend to go into pornography, sadly. And as a result, we're creating a castle building imagination in our minds of things that are not real. We have to live in reality. But also, too, that there is a missing link, you know, that really affecting men of having a healthy relationship with themselves, with their Lord Jesus Christ, but more importantly with women too in general, whether it's you're in a relationship with a woman or just with a friendship, because we tend to be sneaky. You know, we, we're, we're very familiar with women at times and it's not appropriate. And one of the key things that I truly believe that can help a man to literally have a good disposition in congregating with both sexes and demonstrating Christianity that is in Christ, it first stems with him having a healthy relationship with his father. You know, there's a lot of definitions. If the question was asked, what is a man? For me, I truly believe it involves responsibility. There's many answers, but I truly believe it's responsibility. A father's one of his primary objectives is to teach men how to be responsible individuals, especially when it comes to governance and organization structure, as well as security and providing that protection for whatever he's governing, whether it's a family, whether he has his own business, the list goes on. That's why men was designed for it. When God brought Adam to the scene, everything was under his dominion. This is where we see a blueprint model of authority as well as responsibility. But sadly, I want us to see a prophecy that the prophet Isaiah saw that God revealed to him. And we're seeing it today. Notice what it says in the book of Isaiah chapters 3. Isaiah chapters 3, and it says in verse 1, this is a very crucial picture. And it reads, <clears throat> For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, doeth take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water. Notice verse 2. Why God has taken away this? The mighty men, the men of war, the judge, the prophet, the prudent, and the ancient, the captain of 50, the honorable man, the counselor, the cunning artificer, and the eloquent auditor. And you know what it says, verse 4? I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them, and the people shall be oppressed everyone by another and everyone by his neighbor, the child shall behave himself proudly 
against the ancient. In other words, disrespecting them. And the base against the honorable. When the man shall take hold of his brothers of the house of his father, saying, Thou hast clothing, be thou our ruler, let us this let this ruin be under my hand. Notice what it says in verse 7. In that day shall he swear, saying, I will not be a healer, for in my house is neither bread nor clothing. Make me not a ruler of the people. What is verse 7 telling us? What is verse 7 telling us here? The absence of leadership. Men not taking a stand. For Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of his glory. Notice what it says in verse 12. As for my people, what does it say? Children are their suppressors and what? Women rule over them. Of my people which Oh boy, of my people, they which lead thee, cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy paths. The Lord standeth up to plead. You know what God is doing? He's pleading. He's begging for the man to take your role and stand up and be a man. This is what God is going through. Do you know that Christ is suffering a lot because of the state of the church? That they are not men standing up to have backbone. To say, sin is sin and righteousness is righteousness. Remember Eli. Remember the story of Eli. It was because of his sons doing a lot of wickedness that Israel asked God, let us have a king like other nations. In fact, you know, it didn't even start with Eli. Eli was a product that Samuel picked up. Even Samuel himself did not rule over his sons. And that's when the people say, you know, we're tired of this. We need a king to rule over us. We're tired of this leadership, this priesthood. Notice what it says. It goes forward. In verse 16, when you read all the way down, it speaks of the women, the daughters of Zion. They're the ones that are ruling the church. Now, I'll tell you this much. I truly believe that women have a beautiful area of ministry of doing things. I truly believe that they can teach. They also can preach, etc. But when we don't see the men out there as an authoritative figure before the congregation, especially for the younger ones, the young boys that are growing up, what they're seeing is not leadership in Christianity. They're going to start viewing their minds of leadership that is in the world. I want to be that businessman on Wall Street. I want to be that rapper. I want to be that sports superstar. And it's creating a domino effect of not having a stable home. You know why? Could you imagine that young man who grows up, he doesn't know how to care for his home. His ideology of what a home is, is what he's viewing on television. His view of how to treat women is according to the movies and television. And as a result, when he has a home and a home, he brings a child into this world according to what we just saw, the statistics, the absence of father. And then he comes to the position where he cannot take care of that child. And you know what happens? Then that child that grows up in a single home, a mother raising, it doesn't have that father figure in the home. And you know what happens with that child? Because the father's not there, they're going to be, the son speaking, emotionally unstable, specifically mentally. So they're going to go in society and try to discover and explore the world. Literally a bait, a prey to Satan. And then this consistency of this domino effect. Do you see this? A pattern going over and over and over again. It's consistent, sadly. Now, Solomon counseled his son in chapters 5 of Proverbs. Notice what he says to his son, which is very, very crucial. I want us to look at this 
right over here. Let us go to Proverbs chapters 5. The book of Proverbs chapters 5. And I want to tell you something. A lot of us assume that masculinity involves strength. Masculinity involves having an excellent career. I work for corporate. I'm an executive. That's not masculinity in reality. And we're going to look at that a little later. And as a result, we try to take advantage of individuals because of our dominance and our power. But in reality, that was never God's intention. That mind frame or that image is how the world operates. Because you say that you don't want to do things, this is your way, this is how you're going to do it. You know what happened? It's going to cause women now to try to step up and fill in the gap. A failure on your part causes ruin in society. Always remember this. Now, I want us to look at Proverbs chapters 5. Notice what it says here in verse 1. Solomon speaking to his son, a father-son relationship. It reads, My son, attend unto my wisdom, bow thine ear to my understanding. Take my wisdom and pay close attention and understand. That you may regard discretion and that your lips may keep knowledge. You know what it says in verse 3? This is what he's saying. The first thing that a father can tell a son, the father who is wise, who have experienced life, who he knows what can take out a man. The strongest man that ever lived was taken out by a woman. The wisest man that has ever lived, second to Jesus, he, his reputation was nearly ruined. And it was because of women. And praise God, he's, you know, we'll see him in the kingdom, Solomon. But Solomon has given him concrete counsel concerning, concerning his mistakes. He says this in verse 3. For the what? Lips of the strange woman drop as a honeycomb. And her mouth is what? Smoother than oil. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet goes where? Down to death. Her steps take hold of what? Hell. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life. Her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. The first thing that a father can tell a son, literally, beware of the strange woman. I don't care how many degrees or letters you have in the back of your name. I don't care how much scriptures you can quote. I have seen men personally, myself, and we all have, have been taken down because of this. The lack of self-control when in contact with a woman. And you know, the enemy knows this. He knows your weakness. He studies you 6,000 years. This is a scientist in the making, Satan. He knows your every move because he watches you. He knows, oh, okay, this brother likes light-skinned girls. All right, I'm about to play one coming in church. Boom. Mm, okay. Okay, he likes Hispanics. Okay. He knows everything that you like. He's attracted to women who wear short skirts. Oh, he wants to. He sees everything and everything. This is serious. Now, I want us to go through a few passages of scriptures. Notice this one right over here. It says this, and by the way, I also want to set the record that God in the church, we sometimes assume that because we're in church, that the ladies are harmless. But I want to let you know that this terminology, present truth, has been abused, this term. And I truly believe that it has its true meaning. But at times, when you're in a circle of quote-unquote present truth, there are people that are literally sheep's and, and wolf's clothing. Actually, excuse me, wolves in sheep's clothing. Thank you. Do not allow the crown of the head to the sole of the feet deceived you. The whole long dress and everything, do not buy it. That's why it is very important for us 
to seek the Lord and be in tune with his spirit. Because I can tell you stories. And the Lord opened my eyes. Be careful and hold my hands. Because you cannot walk into this world. Yes, with safety. Notice what it says here in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 16 to 18 as we progress on. Because I know my time is going. To deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words. Notice what it says right over here. Proverbs 5, verse 3 and 5. We just read that. Uh, Proverbs 7, verse 5. That thy may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth her words. It says in Proverbs 22, verse 14. The mouth of a strange woman is a deep pit, and he that is what? Abhorreth of the Lord shall fall therein. The brother who's not connected in Christ, he's going to fall to that booby trap. And remind you, we are stimulated by what we see. She can just communicate to you from a distance and get you excited from a distance. It's that serious. Be careful with her words. Now, notice this. It goes even further. Now, Jesus gives counsel in the book of Matthew's chapters 5. I truly believe that Jesus Christ is one of the greatest examples of how a man should conduct himself, self-control. And as a result, he says in Matthew chapter 5, reading from verses 28, it says, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her have committed adultery already with her in his heart. And you know what he says in verse 9 and 30? We know the classic statement in verse 28. But in verse 29 and verse 30, he says in verse 29, And if thy right eye offend thee, you know what you're supposed to do? Pluck it out and cast it from thee. You know what that means? It means guard the avenues of your eyes. Literally. Shun it. And notice what it says even further. Verse 30, And if thy right hand offend thee, Cut it off. Don't even dare to touch her because you'll be out of control. You'll be powerless. I'll never forget that experience. It's real. Now notice Job 31 verse 1. I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I lust fully after a young lady? I like the NIV. But King James says, why then should I think upon a maid? Think means to desire or imagine things. Proverbs chapters 20. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 24 to 26, it says this, Keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Then it says, verse 25, Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee by her eyelids. You know what she's going to do? She's going to wink at you. Be careful. Yes. And then she, you know, I was literally on my way here at the airport. Literally. I'm waiting for my luggage. The baggages are going to come around, you know. And if you see your luggage, you're going to pick it up. A very attractive woman. She sees me standing there. You know what she does? She passes by constantly. Trying to grab my attention. <clears throat> I praise God for Jesus. Because you know what I did? I literally moved. I moved. I pulled a Joseph. Amen? <laughs> on Potiphar's wife. You have to have that disposition. And it's only in Christ where you can do this. Because i am be honest with you. If I'm not in Christ, I'm going to be tempted to try to talk to her. So I'm going to keep going because of time. Notice what it says right over here. <clears throat> now, the Bible counsels us in regards to how we're supposed to guard the avenues of our souls. It says this. Notice what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22. Abstain from all appearance of evil. If you see it, clear cut, the Spirit convicts you. Take the step to avoid it. Notice what it says right over here. Exodus 23, verse 7. Keep thee far from a false matter. In uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 14 to 15. Enter not into the path of the wicked. And go not in the way of the evil man. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. You know what the Bible is trying to tell us? Avoid putting yourself in your position where this is what's going to happen. Proverbs 4, excuse me, it's gonna, this is Romans chapter 4, verse 16. Let not then your good 
be evil spoken of. If you do not keep your distance from committing temptation in Christ, your good is going to be evil spoken of. Notice this one right over here. This is Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25. I love this one. You know why? You know what it says? Let thine eyes look what? Look right on. And let thine eyelids look straight before thee. You know, when I was in, no, I think it was high school. Yeah, you can say maybe high school. You know, the brothers, we like to turn our necks. And whenever a woman passed by, we would just like to, it's called the breaking of the neck. That was a slang, right? I don't know if they, I don't know if they still use those terms, break your neck, right? It's been a while. And then one day, you know, like, and especially when you hear the high heels, the clicking noise, click, click, you automatically turn. She doesn't have to pass by you. You're just looking from afar what she looks like. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I'm be honest with you. Um, you know, you know, there was a man, he, uh, <clears throat> he wanted to, you know, trick the guy. So what he did was he wore high heels and he was walking down the hallway. All of a sudden, they all, all the guys, they literally looked and turned. They saw it was a man. They was like, mercy. <laughs> literally, the Bible counsels us. Look straight. Don't turn to the left or to the right. Keep your eyes focused. And you notice how the Bible is constantly giving us counsel, especially to be very careful how you conduct yourself, because the enemy knows that you don't have self-control. And it goes forward, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3, giving no offense in anything that the ministry may not what? May not be blamed. You know, there's a, there's a lot of men that I've respected in time past. I still listen to them. I've heard stories of how they've fallen. But you know what's the sad reality? We live in a world where people do not practice forgiveness, and as a result, they will not see them the way they saw them before the fall. As a result, Paul counsels, be careful that the ministry that you're in may not be blamed. This is serious. Notice this next one, Ephesians 5, verse 3. But fornication and uncleanness or covetous, let it not be once named among you as saints. It can be a damage to Christ. People have been led away from practicing Christianity because they saw someone they admired. And as a result, they were disgusted. And at times, people view Christ in his saints. And that should not be the case. And the ministry is hindered. The everlasting gospel. God is pleading with the men. Isaiah chapter 3. Constantly. I need a man who can stand between the porch and the gap. But there is none. And I found none. Now. Notice what Frederick Douglass said. He says this. It is easier to build strong boys. Than it is to repair a broken man. This is a psychologist, excuse me, sociologist Peter Carl said this, fatherless boys spend up to 80% of their time with women. They don't know how to act when they grow up. This directly affects the relationships between the sexes. Men become more helpless like big kids. And that is so true. That's the reason why God goes to the men first before he goes to the women. Where is the flock that I have entrusted you? Where are the children that I told you to raise? He goes to the men. Who did he go to, the woman or to the man when, when they fell in Genesis chapter 3? He went to the man, Adam, clear as day. And you know what Adam did, sadly? He blamed the woman. You know what men lack? Responsibility of your faults and accountability too as well. Notice this next one right here, a filmmaker, um, Andrea Wally. This is what she said. Fatherlessness is the greatest social problem facing society today. When you cut off the head, the body falls. That's serious. This is a worldling. And that's a woman. 
And you know what it is? This is how women feel. I'm be honest with you. There's nothing painful to a woman. Probably it's one of the greatest pains, especially if she's in a home and the man cannot exercise his leadership. She has a lot of burden. She's going through a lot. You know, growing up, you know, in my, you know, when I was, I used to always not clean my mess and things like that. And then one day when I gave my life to Christ, Christ convicted me. Your mom works hard. Why don't you wash the dishes before she comes home? Why don't you help her clean? Why don't you assist her in those various things? You know what I did? Ever since that day when the Spirit spoke to me, I have been consistently keeping the house clean, making sure my mom doesn't put her finger at anything. That is love right there. As a son, that is an area of love I demonstrate to her. And you see this vessel, it's broken. You can't repair it. The only one that can repair it is Jesus Christ. No counseling session, yes, but make sure it's being led by Christ. The statistics that we saw in the previous session, it is serious. At time we blame the women, we see all this feminist movement. The reason why LGBT exists because the father was not there in the life. He did not guard the, guarded the heart of his daughter. His son. You don't have to have a prestige position to exercise leadership, responsibility. As young as you are, where you are right now in life, that's where God wants you to exhibit leadership and responsibility. Do you know why God, of all the sons of Jesse, he chose the youngest one, David? Samuel was like, this can't be the king. God says, man judges from the outward, but God judges the heart. God saw a man who was going to take responsibility over his people. You know, the simple lessons of daily duties that we practice from day to day is going to help us to be entrusted with greater responsibility. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful in that which is in much. You see why 40 years tending sheep in the wilderness, Moses went through, God entrusted him to tend a massive flock of people for the next 40 years in the wilderness. That was a training session for him. And this is what God is doing for us today. And notice this one right here. I like this statement in Christ's Object Lessons, page 56, and it reads, the garden of the heart must be cultivated. The soil must be broken up by deep repentance for sin. Poisonous, satanic plants must be uprooted. I truly believe that contentment is a state of heart. It's a mind issue that God is seeing. It's an area of understanding that... When you have realized that, you know what? The reason why I had desire to have this and that, etc., so I can't control myself is because I have a heart problem. I have a problem with my imagination. I do too much castle building. Castle building, my brothers, is castle building. It's fake. It's not real. It's not reality. Now... In Special Testimonies, Education, page 49, paragraph, uh, actually page 49 and 50. You can also see that in Be Like Jesus, page 105, paragraph 5. I want us to look at something that's going to make things practical. I can go on and on with showing so many statistics and research about this. But notice what it says right here. That in order for us to clearly understand this area of being single, satisfied as men and contentment, Inspiration says this, which I find is very key. To know oneself is a great knowledge. Self-knowledge leads to humility and to trust in God, but it does not take the place of efforts for self-improvement. You know why? Because self-improvement involves our part. <clears throat> when we realize and see all these deficiencies and defects in our characters, 
and we realize that, you know what, I need to humble myself and trust God, now is your effort to put into action. It goes forward, those who realize their own deficiencies will spare no pains to reach the highest possible standard of physical, mental, and moral excellence. This is the key thing. The key ingredient, understanding yourself. Gospel Workers, page 100. Guard jealousy, the avenues of prayer, searching the scriptures, and self-examination. You have to understand who you are. You have to understand your weak points, your strong points. Otherwise, if you don't understand your weak points, the enemy is going to get, get at you constantly. We are counseled to strengthen our weak points, and that can be done in Christ. Amen? Now, I want us to understand something, because Jesus Christ, the Bible said, in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. I believe Jesus Christ came as a man, not as a woman, because He knows that man has the ability to reconstruct a home and to bring an influence to impact all members of the family. When you look at the first 30 years of Christ's life in the book Desire of Ages, you know what he did? He spent time with his father in a carpenter shop, his stepfather Joseph, but also catered to the, to the necessities of Mary in the home life. You know, I'm sure washing the dishes, cleaning, etc. Here, Christ was learning the areas of what it means to have a home. These are the most important lessons to examine, inspiration says. We always look at the three and a half year ministry, but the three and a half year ministry was a result of what happened the first 30 years of his life. I'm going to read a statement right here. Notice what it says here. Concerning Christ, SDA Bible Commentary, Volume 7, page 929. When I started studying righteousness by faith in connection to the nature of Christ, I always put Christ in a place where He was really different from me. He could not relate with me. But when I saw this, I said to myself, this is amazing. I have victory in Him. Christ says overcoming and obedience is that of a what? Of a true human being. In our conclusions, we make many mistakes because of our erroneous views of the human nature of our Lord. When we give to His human nature a power that is not possible for man to have in his conflicts with Satan, we destroy the completeness of His humanity. You know what that means? When you say that Jesus Christ can't relate to me, He doesn't know my struggles. You know, I, I, every time, every five minutes, I think about, you know, sexual immorality. He can't relate to me. I can't control myself. Every time I yell my voice against women, I, I assume that there are... Be, he can't understand me. When we say this, we destroy His purpose of coming here, but also His human nature. Did you know... The Bible says that Jesus is touched with the feelings of our infirmities in Hebrews. You know what that means? That means that Jesus knows what a man goes through. Did you know that? <clears throat> Temptation, he was faced. He used the word of God as his defense against the sophistries of Satan. Right? And I know this. It's not recorded in scripture. But you can see from scripture how he lived. When he said that if any man, whosoever lusts after a woman, to, whoever lusts after a woman in his heart have committed adultery with her, I know he lived by every word. Because you know why? The scriptures that he was quoting right there in Matthew 5.28, he saw that men were struggling with it. And he was giving us hope that he overcame. And I have power to give that to you to possess. To overcome. Now keep in mind, I'm sure in his youth, God, Satan could have somehow try to allow the Son of God to slip by bringing certain women into the church or in your job. But guess what? Christ was strong enough to build a defense mechanism. 
He yelled, he, I was going to say yell, he yielded to his father's instructions. And when times it was weak, you know what he did? He went straight to the throne of his father. Literally, not my will, but thy will be done. This is key. He is our example. That's why he's called our elder brother. That's why Isaiah chapters 9 verse 6, you know what it says? Unto us a child is born. Upon us a son will be, a son will be given and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And then it says, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. And then it says the Everlasting Father. He is the father figure, the second Adam, to the man who did not have that correctly in the home. You can have a father in your home and he still doesn't teach you how to be a man. You're still fatherless in spirit. That can happen at times. Now, <clears throat> I want to share some things that we can possibly do as men. <clears throat> Practically. Why it is very important for us to understand that knowing yourself, taking the time out to see who you are, look at your weak points and examine it where you stand and say, God, you know what? I would lack in this area. Father, please help me. I want to share some things that we need to do. The first point that I want to share is that things can change and they will. And you have to believe that God has to give you the victory. You have to believe that God will make a way of escape. The gospel has enough power to give you the victory. Because the Bible tells me, as sin abounded, grace much more abounded. Notice this, number two. Use time to learn about yourself. When we're so distracted, we don't have time for ourselves. Do you know what's the purpose of prayer? It's communion with God. But you know what God wants to do? God wants to root out all the deficiencies that's in your heart. He wants to reveal the defects that has been concealed from your mind for years that you have not discovered. It is preventing us. And by the way, all the young brothers here, it is a privilege for you to understand who you are now. To discover all this while you have a home and you're on the verge of literally a divorce is literally tragedy, literally. I've known men personally, you know what they tell me? You know, we're in a discussion about relationships and you know, I'm, I'm, you know, at the, you know, I'm single and, and you know what they tell me? Enjoy your singleness. And I was like, enjoy my singleness, why? The marriage is misery, it's, it's stress, enjoy. And when I hear these words, you know what it's telling me? They're not happy. They're not happy, literally. And they're counseling young men to tell them, enjoy your singleness. And best, guess what? That is true. But you know what that also is telling me? It's telling me that they made mistakes. They did not take heed to the leading and pleading of the Holy Spirit. Tell them, I don't think you're ready for this whole relationship. But because we're governed by passion and lust, it puts us in the position now we have been placed in leadership in a home. And now we're having arguments and fights with our wives. Our children are out of place. You can't run the home. And as a result, the whole thing is going to collapse. You know what Jesus says? It's like a man. He's building a tower. And then the people laugh and mock at him. Look, he begins to build and he cannot finish. You have to plan before you witness failure. The man of tomorrow is forged by his battles today. This is key. Notice this next one. Don't chase anyone, specifically women. A lot of guys that are broken, that witness depression, and we tend to not open up. So you know what we do? We tend to open up our emotions, our feelings at times to, in fact, you know what? I'm going to pause. I'm going to go back. We tend to not share what we struggle and what we go through. And we think that being a man means not expressing who you really are. The more, you ex the more impressions you have in your mind, you fail to express it, the further you're going to go into depression. 
This is serious. And as a result, we can walk around with a nice coat on. $500 suit in church. And no one knows that we're actually secretly at war with ourselves. Notice the next one. And we have no business chasing women if we ourselves are broken. She cannot fill the void in your heart of completeness. When God made Adam, Adam was not lonely. Lonely is a state of mind that you're longing for something. He was just alone. That's it. That was his position. That was his state of mind. But granted, God saw that he needed to help me to further his ministry in the garden. Notice this right here. Four, have high standards. If you lower your standards for the sake of peace, you actually compromise your integrity as a man. Desire of Ages, page 256. Yes. And then it says a Christian, then it says in that same statement that he was too much of their friends to remain silent while their life was pursuing a course that will ruin their soul. And then it says this, a Christianity that is spiritual will be always opposed by the children of disobedience. And you know what? You know the sentence in that paragraph what it says? No man can be true to principle without first exciting opposition. If you want to stand true to principle, you will always be faced by opposition. There's no one that has been faced in the face of adversity than Jesus Christ himself. And I'm going to be honest with you. I remember times in my life, in my Christian experience, literally, my friends used to laugh at me because I didn't partake of the activities that they wanted to do. In my heart, I felt so bad. But then when I go to the Word of God, the Word of God gives me comfort and tells me that I have my value and I have my worth. I don't have to lower my standards just to bring peace. You don't have to lower your standards in order to be with someone. Notice what it says right here. Focus on what you have and not what you don't have. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. <clears throat> the book of 2 Corinthians chapters 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I want to quote the scripture. Notice what it says right over here. <clears throat> Reading from verses 12. First, 2 Corinthians chapters 8 verse 12. The Bible says this. <clears throat> if there be first a willing mind, it is acceptable according to that a man have and not according to that he have not. God is going to work with you where you are. God is going to use you. You don't need all the accolades in ministry. You don't need all the, the healthy disposition that someone has that you desire to have. You say, you know what, let me try to fix myself. And then so-and-so, no, it's not going to work. God wants to work with you where you are. This is the reason why when we come to Jesus, we have to come as we are. That's not in a state of clothing. That is a state of heart. Bring your heart to Christ. Let him fix it. Not only that too, you have to acknowledge yourself, friends, in that context on focusing what you have and not what you don't. Keep busy with the things that makes you happy. Number six, what makes you happy? For me, I love going to work out. I love going to nature. I love studying the Bible. I like hanging out with my friends. I like to do research. That's my thing. I'm a history buff. I try to keep myself busy. At times, I like to go, if opportunity permits, you know, <laughs> go hang out with the guys and shoot some hoops, etc. You know, I'm not a big basketball fan, but just get some exercise and blood flowing. Keep yourself busy in the things that makes you happy. Because you know what's going to happen? <clears throat> if you're constantly not keeping yourself busy, what's going to happen? That idleness creeps in. One of the sins of Sodom, it was idleness. Idleness kicked in. Notice what it says, number seven. Work on making yourself the kind of person you would want to date, or I would say court. <clears throat> and guess what? Okay, I'll explain to you. <clears throat> 
a lot of men that I know. And guess what? There's nothing wrong desiring the marriage life. Amen? I think it's beautiful. I think it's glorious. A married couple has a powerful effect in giving the gospel than a single person, you know, and so forth. But then again, you know, Paul says when you're single, you can do more for the Lord. However, <clears throat> as a man, if you want to, if you desire to be with a Christian young woman, especially one who believes in the third angel's message in practice with principle, you have to live the third angel's message in practice and principle. Keep in mind, you cannot lower your standard just for the sake of happiness. <clears throat> and I've done many of my mistakes and I've seen it. And it's not a pretty picture, literally. <clears throat> now, does that make sense, my brother? <clears throat> okay, okay, yeah. Basically, you want to be able to be the person. In other words, it's not like exactly who you are, but it's also in principle. Yes, in the character of Christ. Same standards, etc. Yeah, like that. Mm -hmm. You don't want to, you know, you know, dating yourself. You know, I know opposites attracts, but I'll be boring if I dated myself. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can't expect something in a woman that you yourself are not willing to also provide. So, for example, you can't expect a woman to be loving if you're not loving. Mm -hmm. You can't expect a woman to give you some sense of security or acceptance if you're not willing to, to be secure in yourself as well. So you can only give the woman what you have. And I feel a lot of times we just ask for it um, as far as unrealistic expectations, but we don't have it ourselves first. So have it first and then expect to receive it because you have it first to give. Exactly, exactly, thank you. Now, notice what it says here, learn to love your own company. You know what that is? Oh boy. <laughs> now, I'll tell you this much. Men are good at being alone a lot. Women are good at going, you know, girls not out. You know what's great for a man to help enhance his image? Go to family reunions. We don't like going there. Every time you go to a family reunion, people are saying, you know, where's auntie so-and-so? Grandma, you know, something is going to be burning in the oven. Women congregate a lot. As men, if we congregate, you know, that's what Jesus did a lot. You know why? He had a love for souls. He liked mingle. He was a friend of sinners. If you can do that, that's going to help your disposition as a man. Distancing yourself from everybody else, let me go watch the game, that's not going to work. That's not healthy. You want to put yourself out there. That's going to help you from, it's going to prevent you from having thoughts about yourself, negativity. Remember that we learned today, hidden pride. That is a serious issue of what the man servant gave this morning's message. Notice number nine, always remember this. If you really truly believe that God, you know, is calling you to an area in life that you desire to have a woman, for example, if you're in ministry or... <clears throat> You know, you also want to, how can I say this? <clears throat> I don't know, I'm trying to think of something. But if you desire to be with someone, always remember that there are still good people out there. What I mean by this is that sometimes we have, because we have went through a lot of pain in the past, I know a brother, seriously, I know of a brother, because he went through a bad breakup, to rebound that, he gets in relationship with other women. And then he breaks them too, so they can feel how he feels. That's what people normally do. That's how Satan operates. Break more people so they can feel my pain. Because I don't want to be the only one to be broken. I want to be less broken by others. <sighs> Notice what President Calvin Coolidge says, the 30th president of the United States, he said this statement, no person was ever honored for what he received. Honor has been the reward for what he gave. Jesus Christ gave his life so that you and I can have a healthy disposition <clears throat> to be able to live up to the standard that he called us to do, the role that he called us to play. When he called Moses, 
He trusted Moses. He believed in Moses, but Moses didn't believe in himself. But God saw a value in you. That's what he's saying. And Christ gave his life because he saw a value in each and every one of us. We are precious in his sight. Notice this next one right over here. In fact, I want to read a few statements. There's a remarkable book that I would encourage you guys to get. It's called Smart Love, A Field Guide for Single Adults by Nancy Van Pelt. And I want to read one section, a section that I believe that has been a deterioration for men because keep in mind that um, at times we tend to compare ourselves with other men because they have a better job than us. They speak well, and so forth. And we assume that that puts us in a disadvantage, you know. And I want to encourage you, encourage you, wherever you are, God can help you. Does that make sense? God can restore his moral image in you in Christ Jesus. Notice what it says right here. This is a section entitled, uh, this is a chapter uh, the prerequisites of love and it speaks about comparison it speaks about various deficiencies that people go through and notice what it says it's comparison people who feel they're inferior people who feel inferior are always comparing themselves to others and coming up short John was attracted to Becky who invited him to go to a party with her John went but had a miserable time as he felt that other men there had a better jobs, were better looking, or were better dressed than he. Even though John desperately wanted to see Becky again, he never called her because he felt so inferior. Becky became engaged to one of John's best friends. At the dinner one evening, when discussing old times, listen carefully, Becky told John how much she had wanted to see him again after that party. John lost to another guy because he compared himself to the competition and accepted the defeat. Every time you compare yourself to someone else, you will come out second best. When you feel second best, you will act second best. You know what that means? You are living a life comparing yourselves with people. You will never reach the gold, the prize, the mark that you desire to achieve. Success belongs to people who believe that they have the potential to strive for it. Did you know that when you compare yourself, you're comparing to that person's standard. That's how they live. When you compare yourself to Christ, the sky is the limit. Notice what it says right over here. The man with the healthy self-image and a strong sense of his worth and masculinity is far happier and more competent in coping with life than the male plagued by doubts and feelings of inadequacies. Do you believe that? You know what happens? The suicidal rates are higher among men than on women. Depression if you literally, on heaven's record, is really higher on men than women because heaven records the hearts, the motives. When we harbor all these things because we have not come in the area of having a good relationship with our fathers, we allow social media to dictate who we should be with, how we should live, it is deteriorating the calling of God in your life. I know men, they pursue careers in order to strive for the intention that they desire. But the last time I check, 
the, the man who had more influence than any other human figure in the history of the world, Jesus Christ, he literally was a dusty traveler, sleeping from home to home, had 12 disciples following him. And he had an influence that changed the entire world. It's not where you have been. It's not what you possess. It's who you are in Christ Jesus. And God is trying to rebuild that image. Amen. Now, I want us to read this last statement. It's one of the most powerful statements in inspiration. I believe, this is me, I believe when it comes to Christ. And what I'm about to read, I truly believe that every man, if he's in Christ, he can come to this position because I believe in perfection of character. I believe in victory over sin. When this character is demonstrating what I'm about to read, you are going to build a healthy environment, not only for your siblings, for your parents, but also a home that you desire to have on your own. It says this. This is This Day with God, page 263. Christ never murmured, never uttered discontent, displeasure, or resentment. He was never disheartened, discouraged, ruffled, or frighted. He was patient, calm, and self-possessed under the most exciting and trying circumstances. All his works were performed with a quiet dignity and ease. Whatever commotion was around him, applause did not elate him. He feared not the threats of his enemy. That's boldness. That's courage. He moved amid the world of excitement, of violence, and crime. As the sun moves above the clouds, human passions and commotions and trials were beneath him. He sailed like the sun above them all. Yet, he was not indifferent to the woes of men. He can sympathize with us. He knows what we're going through. His heart was ever touched with the sufferings and necessities of his brethren. As though he himself was one afflicted, he had a calm inward joy, a peace which was serene. He was ever swallowed up in the will of his Father, not my will, but thine be done, was heard from his pale and quivering lips. And inspiration says, we long and pray that the grace of God may come into your hearts. We want you to make an entire surrender to God. May God help you all to walk humbly and carefully is our prayer. Is that your prayer today, brothers? Is that your prayer is to be just like Jesus? You know, Christ, wherever he walked, he was the fragrant rose that literally pervaded the atmosphere. And it really brought an influence to other people. When you read inspiration, when people saw him, they were not attracted to his appearance. But when he spoke the words of eternal life, they lost sight of his appearance and was drawn to his heart because he ministered to the void that was missing for ages. They were longing for something to fill that heart that went through abuse, that went through molestation, not having someone to teach you how to be a man. He understands what we go through. And by God's amazing grace, I pray that one of the greatest lessons that I can leave here with us is that take time to understand who you are. Enjoy while it lasts. And make the effort to be able to study the life of the humble Savior. Because when you study his life, little will you know, by beholding you'll become changed. And by God's amazing grace, when the Lord calls you to marriage, you'll be able to be healthy to govern not only her, but also the flock that he'll entrust you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us pray, shall we? <clears throat> My Father in heaven, Lord, I would like to say thank you again, Lord. Uh, there's so much things that we could have covered. It's very exhaustive. But Lord, we also want to understand that if we fail 
to appreciate the area of being single and also understanding the satisfaction that is in you, we will make mistakes and form regrets and we don't want to be that statistics. We pray, Lord, that the only statistics that we want to live after and live up to, Lord, is the statistics of a son who have been crowned with glory because of the life of victory he lived in Christ. We pray, Father, that you may enhance us. Help us to model our lives after that man, Jesus Christ. We love him and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.